Sit down, chill, and relax, because you're here with T.C. Mason, tuning in for another episode of Spiked Lemonade. Cheers, 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 cheers. It's the first episode of the Spiked Lemonade podcast, and I am so ecstatic. I'm so excited that this has finally come to pass. This has been a brainchild of mine since a year and a half or so. But last year, I started to jot down my ideas, get my thoughts together, come together, uh, come up with the structure of the show and all that good stuff. So I'm just so happy that we are finally at a place to make things happen. But before I go any further, I'm going to do a couple of housekeeping things. One, who am I? Two, what is Spiked Lemonade? What is this podcast going to be about? Three, what can you expect? What's going to be the flow of the show? Expectations, all that good stuff. So to get started, my name is TC Mason. I'm your health and happiness strategist. If you had to liken me to somebody, I would liken myself to a mix of Jada Pinkett, a mix of Tracy Ellis Ross with a dash of Tiffany Haddish. Um, I love people. I love group dynamics. I am especially interested in the things that make people flourish, that take them to the next level. I'm also currently in a PhD program for psychology, general psychology, to actually explore that even further. The topic that I'm interested in is depression, uh, how it affects people. Um, Pretty much depression is a thing that, you know, if you've ever seen Harry Potter, you've seen the episode where these black cloudy dementors come over you and try to suck the life out of you. Depression is like that. And depression and anxiety are two diagnoses that are just taking over the world and really just creating hammock. I mean, not havoc, <laughs> a lot of havoc in a lot of people's lives. So um, a part of my mission is to help combat that situation with discovering uh, healthy interventions, healthy coping mechanisms that will really help people to increase their positive emotions and decrease those negative emotions and deal with situations. So that's a big piece of what I love to do. Um, I also am a fitness instructor. So I teach fitness classes, as I believe that's another tool to use for your mental health. Um, I also curate different activities and events to help people explore the things that bring them joy. I feel like a big piece of what's missing in adulthood is playing. I think we get so grown Adulting becomes so complex that we forget the very things that actually brought us joy, and that's playing. And if we insert those things, that it will help to balance off some of the stressors because you're going to end up being stressed at some point in your life. You're going to experience some grief, some loss, some something in your life. You keep living long enough, something will happen for sure. And so I just want to teach people how to navigate through those things and continue to flourish in life. So that's a big piece of who I am. Uh, So what is Spike Lemonade? Ooh, what is Spike Lemonade? Because I love psychology and because I love social psychology and I love the dynamic 
of just living and how people experience different things. Uh, I wanted to have a avenue where we could discuss different things and how they impact us in terms of on a mental health tip. So what I like about mental health and about human beings in general is that you can choose five people, give the give them the same identical situation or experience, and then you will come out with five completely different outcomes. Like everybody copes with things differently. Everybody has different tools. And so I like to discuss those things. But I also like to discuss how society and societal norms impact us. And sometimes we, we, we just aren't even aware of how much we are impacted and how much things that have been perpetuated throughout our lives have infiltrated our belief systems, have infiltrated how we parent, how we love, how we friend, how we Netflix and chill, <laughs> all of that. And so I thought that this would be the perfect avenue to talk about everything, everyday things and how it affects our mental health. So everyday things with a little mental health component. So that's the little spike of the spiked lemonade that we're adding that mental health component when we're talking about maybe social issues. Maybe we're talking about family issues. Maybe we're talking about work issues, church, all of that stuff, sexing, sex, all of that. We're going to talk about all those things. So what can you expect from this show? You can expect one, that it'll have some informative aspects, like not only are we going to talk about situations, but we're also going to include uh, scientific studies and experiments and a lot of data of what is being uh, reported. And we're going to talk about those things in addition to just popular opinion and popular thoughts. Uh, I think that's very important. So and because, you know, as I said earlier, I am studying to be a psychologist. So you're going to get those mental health pieces um, in the studies and how we can learn from them, what we can extract from them. So you're so expect some educational com components. Also expect fun. Expect some fun. We're going to laugh. Um, expect for things not to be perfect. I'll repeat that again. Expect for things not to be perfect. I am a mother of six children, 18, oh, sorry, 23, 18, 17, 16, 15, and five. So you may hear a pitter-patter of some feet running through here at some point, who knows, um, but I'm also an advocate of doing things imperfectly. I believe that perfection is a thing that can just stop you um, and keep you stagnant and keep you from moving. So I always like to encourage people to start with what you can do and you can perfect along the way. Things can get better along the way. But if you wait until something is perfect before you begin it, then chances are you won't get started. And that means that is a resource that other people won't be able to use because you're sitting on your gift. And I don't know about you all, but we need we need the gifts in here. So you can expect education. You can expect laughter and fun. I do make noises too. <laughs> uh, and you can also expect for things not to be perfect. But this is the opportunity for us to just have discourse about random things, everyday things, and how they infiltrate our way of thinking, socializing, living, and all that stuff. Are you ready? I hope so.
The lemon has been dropped, so let's get into it. All right, so for our first episode, we are diving right in and we are talking about cancel culture. So before we even get started, I think we got to define what cancel culture is. So just in case you've never heard of it, you know what we're talking about. So cancel culture is when people boycott you um, based upon your opinion, based upon a certain behavior you've exhibited in the past, action that you've done, uh, based upon if they like you or dislike you, it's almost like you have gone to a protest, but you are the protest, and the people have the picket signs up about you, saying, we don't want you, we don't want you, we don't want you. And so everything that you have contributed to society because of cancel culture is no longer valid. Or... If it is valid, it is stained so badly that it's still canceled. Um, An example was when Bill Cosby, who had all of these allegations and founded cases of, you know, putting, uh, slipping things in people's drinks uh, to have sex with them, etc. When all of that was going on, There was a piece of cancel culture where none of his shows were playing. Like they had taken all of the shows out. And if you know anything about the Cosby show, the Cosby show was so important to black culture because that was the, not the first time, but one of the first times that black people were seen in a, positive light like he was a doctor the mom was a lawyer it was a cohesive family uh it was promoting good family values etc where you know there's always been this other side portrayed about black people you know living in the ghetto you know coming from a single family and all of that so when that happened they were just like oh we're going to get rid of Cosby or what have you but this stuff consistently happens so you've seen that with Cosby you saw that with Janet Jackson uh she had done the Super Bowl I'm not sure which Super Bowl it was I'm not really into uh football and all that like that but she had done the Super Bowl with Justin Timberlake and um there was a piece of the routine where her uh the little there was like a nipple tassel on or they said it was some type of malfunction or what have you but anyway It looked as though it was a part of the routine and the piece came off. And from that, people were just irate, like just trying to cancel her out of the culture or what have you. Um, I don't think it was more so African-Americans trying to cancel her, but it were it was other people trying to cancel her from being relevant. Um, You had that. You had Chris Brown in the Rihanna situation. And you also had the Chrisette Michelle uh, situation where she had uh, sung for an event. I think it was like Trump's uh, inaugural uh, celebrations, and she had sung for that event. And people were just like, "You crazy? Is you crazy? Is you crazy for real?" And they were just like, "Okay, you're no longer relevant." So those are examples of how cancel culture can truly affect people's lives, especially the individuals who is you know actually the picket. Fence. I mean, the picket sign is actually for, I'm pretty sure it devastates them and it affects them. And it reminds me of, I'm not sure if you've 
you guys have ever uh, read the book, The Scarlet Letter, how this person was um, found guilty of adultery and she had to walk around with this scarlet letter um, as a marking, like you're forever marked that this is something that you have done. And I wonder if cancel culture is like the scarlet letter in that it forever marks you uh, for something that you've done, uh, how that actually affects people's authenticity. You know, with, in the age of social media, in the age of Twitter, in the age of Instagram, in the age of Facebook, we now have people who will go back 10 years, eight years, uh, to the beginning of somebody's career when they probably weren't really fine-tuning their Twitter posts or Instagram posts and actually search for dirt or opinions that are not that were popular then but weren't but aren't popular now to use that to cancel people or start a mission to ignite cancel culture um that people will do that now and so i wonder how it affects you know the individual's mental health in terms of am i living in a world where i can be authentic or do i have to double check and recheck everything I say, everything I think, everything I feel that's presented out in the world to actually be accepted. Because if I don't go along with societal norms, if I don't go along with what is popular or if something is found, then I'm going to be canceled. And being canceled doesn't feel good, nor does the work that I have done to get to this point, that doesn't feel good either. So that had me thinking about that. Um, there was another recent situation, the Kevin Hart situation in terms of him uh, going to um, host the Oscars. So that situation and somebody had found a comment that he had made on Twitter about being gay um, or not liking gay people, something along those lines. And it started this whole mass uh, phenomenon like, oh, he shouldn't be hosting because of his opinion back then. And again, if we are using this type of mindset of if you say something, if you believe something that I don't necessarily believe with or it doesn't go with popular culture or how society has changed, then you're no longer relevant. How does that affect your thinking? How does that affect what you will do or what you won't do? It sounds like to me that it could create just this fear of being human, like this fear of being a human being. Um, I personally don't feel like cancel culture should exist simply because we are all human beings. And I don't know of one person who hasn't done something that they weren't proud of. Like, can you name like one person that they have lived this life with no mistakes? Uh, I can't think of one. I can't name not a one person, maybe Jesus, not a one person other than that, 
who hasn't done something that they aren't proud of, you know? Um, And so if that is the case, if we all are human beings and we all have done things that aren't the best all the time, should we even be in the mindset where, where we are canceling people out? I don't know. I don't know. And then the cancellation part is based upon what premise? Like who makes the rules that count for what is permissible for cancellation? Like who's making these rules? Is it just based upon uh, general opinion? Is there some type of cancellation, um, you know, caucus or something? <laughs> like who's making these rules based upon what? So what I'm here is if you grew up in a time period where homosexuality was not necessarily accepted and you express that, but maybe you may have grown to actually accept homosexuality later on, you should be penalized for how you were 12 years ago in comparison to how you are now. Like how does that lead to growth or do we even want people to grow? Or are we okay with people growing? Or we want people to be a certain way, and when we don't find out they're a certain way, then, okay, no. We want no part of you. Whatever you had to bring to the table is no longer relevant. Like, how does that work? How, how does that work? I'm interested in knowing that. I think these little things, these little micro things that go on in social media, in Twitter, in Facebook, in Instagram, they are slowly perpetuating this idea of you have to be on all the time. You have to be perfect all the time. You have to use a filter all the time. You have to say the right quote to make sure that it goes with the right picture. You have to make sure that what you say on Twitter is representative of societal norms instead of what you feel or what you believe. And if we're living in that type of society, then we're slowly morphing from actually being genuine people. So I like to, uh, I like visuals. And so when I think about things like this, I look around, if I was to look into an audience, if I was to go into a grocery store, if I was go was to go into Starbucks or I was to go to any workplace, drive any car, how many people would you see without a scarlet letter? Now, I'm not saying these people are the people who have, um, you know, got were guilty of uh, adultery or anything, but I'm talking about the scarlet letter as, as something that you've done wrong and that you haven't necessarily been proud of how many people would you see in this world that would have something on their chest oh wait exactly so that's food for thought so um we're going to come back in the next episode and we're going to talk about some gender differences and cancel culture like who gets it the worst is it the man is it the woman is it the teenager is it the black man is it the white woman is it the Latina? Uh, is it the Asian? Like, we're going to talk about some gender differences, some cultural differences. Who gets it the worst? I hope you guys tune in for episode two because it's about to get really, really well. 
<laughs> really, really will. <laughs> really, really real. All right. See you next time.